Welcome to another episode of the Meet and Greet Barbecue Podcast. This week, on our final episode of Season 1, we have Ben from Smoking Hot Confessions. This man is a huge inspiration to us. Ben has an award-winning podcast for Smoking Hot Confessions. He also has an award-winning website, uh, again, Smoking Hot Confessions, and he's definitely worth checking out. Uh, he is strong in the competition scene, as well as highlighting all of the cooks that he does at home, and he interviews some fantastic people. We talk about not only his story and how he's got to this point, but also the setups that he has and some of the experiences that he's had in Australia, which we can only imagine from cooking in the UK. So here's Ben. Well, welcome to another episode of the Meet and Greet Barbecue Podcast. We're here with Ben, all the way from Australia. How are you today, Ben? Mate, I am awesome. We're in the middle of a long weekend. It's the Anzac weekend. It's a commemoration of uh, of our soldiers in in World War One and the the collaborative war effort that we did with New Zealand over in Turkey. And uh, it, it's a great weekend for us to sort of get outside, cook some barbecue, um, have a few cold bevies, and just relax and enjoy the freedom that we have that's been paid for by those that came before us. So, uh, you know, uh, just want to say, lest we forget, and, um, you know, thank you to all the servicemen and service women who have paid for what we can enjoy today. Here, here. It's so important to here, remember here. that and everything that we have today is thanks to those people. So thank you so much to them. Thank you. You talk about it's a great weekend to be barbecuing. Have you got anything on the go at the moment? I literally have right now, I have a boneless leg of lamb uh, on a little Weber go anywhere. Um, I've set it up uh, because there's only three of us in my family. So I only sort of cook small amounts at a time. Mm -hmm. And I find that the little Weber go anywhere is just perfect with this little thing. It's called an offset plate. It's by a buddy of mine, uh, JG Grills. uh, Sorry, JG Barbecue is the name of his little business. And he's built this little offset plate that sits in fr- uh, inside the Weber Go Anywhere, and it effectively turns it into a mini offset smoker. So it seals off the little plate, seals off all the vents towards the back end, and cr- and it, ha- it has a vertical uh, sort of bend up towards the end. And so you, it just creates a little channel, just a little strip of charcoal that you can line up at the end, and then it gives you an indirect cooking area towards the back. And so just by manipulating the vents, you can turn this tiny little uh, Weber Go Anywhere grill into a mini offset. So I've literally got right now just outside through this wall here that I'm pointing at it. You can't see it. That's fine. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, there's, uh, I've, I've been working on my new barbecue area outside there, and uh, it's the first time that we've been able to cook in it this weekend. So tonight we've got the boneless leg of lamb on there with some slow burner barbecue rub on there, heat beads charcoal and some peach wood. And um, uh, last night it was uh, Picanha Tacos. So uh, oh, wow. we've been having a great time out there and really enjoying um, enjoying this long weekend. That's so interesting about the Weber Go Anywhere because obviously traditionally here we, we would take it away camp. You know, I suppose like most people would take it away camping. It's yeah, just yeah. burgers, sausages, kebabs, anything that you could do direct quickly. Turning it into a smoker is ingenious. It's it's really incredible. We um we uh have a four wheel drive, and one of the things that we love to do is go four wheel drive camping. And in the school holidays just past the Christmas holidays, that's our long our long break here in Australia. Um, for five days, we went out bush and um, took the Weber Go anywhere with us. And where we went to, it's a four wheel drive park. And I don't know if you're familiar with the with the concept in the UK, but these these farmers have started um, to build these four wheel drive tracks around their farms to add an income revenue stream to their 
to their uh, farming business because farming is really tough in Australia at the moment. Mm-hmm. And they basically create like a like a ski park, but for four wheel drive. So they build these tracks and they're all graded like green, blue, or black for di- different difficulty levels and things like that. And we love that. So we, we go out there, we camp for four or five days. We took the Weber go anywhere with us, cooked every night on it. And uh, because this particular one was also a working cattle ranch, when I turned up at the kiosk, when we were checking in, I noticed that there was a cool room on a trailer just off to the side. And I said, what do you guys got in the in the cool room? And they said, oh, well, because we're a working cattle farm, we kill and process some of our cattle here and we make it available to buy for, for the customers for the full drive park. And I said, well, can I go see what's inside? And they had the biggest, like the biggest uh, cattleman's cut ribeye steaks, which uh, like it, it's basically, it's a it's a tomahawk steak with the that the end of the big long bone cut off. And uh, man, I cooked a bunch of them, um, reverse seared them on the little Weber go anywhere sitting out by the river with the, you know, the, the, the river flowing past. And i got to tell you, that was some of the most amazing steak I've eaten. It was grass fed. It was all organic, like just free range. It was beautiful. Absolutely fantastic. And cooked literally on the side of the river with our tents put up and nobody around us for miles. And it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And i got to tell you, I've really been getting into into cooking a whole bunch on this little GA and the versatility of the thing is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, I know Owen's been looking at getting an offset. So I I saw him perk up as soon as you mentioned that. I I, I do have one of them as well. I've got a a one of a kind uh, vertical offset built by Radar Hill Smokers. Um, Mm -hmm. They're not around anymore. Um, But uh, yeah, there's, there's only one in the size that he built that that's mine. Um, and he specifically built that for me. He, he sort wow. of lined me up and knew that I'd like it and built that for me. And there's there's two others in the same design but larger. So that's uh, there's only three in that design and only one in that size. And, uh, yeah, that's my it, – it's a 20-inch vertical offset. At the moment, that only gets used about two or three times a year for, for big parties or family gatherings or work functions, things like that. Because, like I said, there's only three of us in the in the house here and we just don't eat – you know, two two briskets and four pork butts and six chickens at one time. So, <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's unlike any camping trip that I've ever been on. You know, any caravan park that I've been to or camping park, you'll have a little kiosk that is literally you could buy a loaf of bread, pint of milk, and that's it. <laughs> you yeah, couldn't just yeah, go yeah. in and buy yourself big old steak ribs and same. Same. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's why I asked when I saw it because it stood out so much because we growing up in the eighties here in Australia, caravanning was the family holiday. And so my, uh, my family used to pack up every school holidays. My, both my parents were school teachers and we'd just go off around in the, in the caravans. And um, so when I was in this four wheel drive park and saw that, saw that cool room, I had to know what was inside. So uh, (laughs) that's what led to all that. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, would you like to explain smoking hot confessions? Wow, that's a big question. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so smoking hot confessions started as a as a blog. I was in a job that was really not creative at all, and I'm a very creative person. And if I if if I'm not building something, if I'm not making something, I just I just die inside. And uh, so, um, as a creative outlet, I started blogging um, and. It was literally just me outside on a gas grill 
um, taking photographs of things I was cooking and writing up recipes and putting them up online and just, it, it was for me. It was never for anybody else. And uh, my wife is American and her mother came to, to visit us. They're from Arkansas, which is just above Texas. Mm-hmm. And it's a barbecue still really big over there as well uh, in, in Arkansas. And uh, so her mother comes over and my wife says, Ben, take mom out the back and show her your, your barbecue. I took her out the back, beautiful, big, four burner, shiny, stainless steel gas grill. My mother-in-law just laughed at it and said, oh, honey, that's not barbecue. <laughs> and, I said, and I said, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And she said, go inside, get on YouTube, look up brisket, look up pulled pork, and then come back and talk to me in the morning. And so she was here for three weeks. By the end of the first week, I'd ordered my first smoker. By the end of the second week, it had been delivered. And by the end of the third week, she taught me half a dozen different uh different real barbecue recipes. And so that, that, that sort of got me into low and slow. And so from there, uh, competition barbecue picked up in Australia shortly after that. And I went down the rabbit hole of that and got into competition barbecue, traveled around the, the East coast of Australia here competing, did untold number of miles and all, you know, thousands of dollars going to barbecue <laughs> competitions. And, um, and along the way, I realized that there was no one in Australia who was doing a barbecue podcast. And at the time when I got started about five years ago, there was only three or four barbecue podcasts in the world full stop. And so I went, you know what? I'm a creative guy. Um, you know, I, I used to play guitar in bars, so I'm reasonably familiar with, you know, audio equipment. This is something that I can do that I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a crack. So I, I started to do that and uh, a whole lot of things started to happen for me as as a result of this little 10 episode first series barbecue podcast that I put together. So one of the things was that one of my buddies, I'd interviewed him for the show. Um, he's from Tasmania and uh, which is literally the other end of the country from where I am. I'm in the North, he's in the South. And uh, he was putting on a little um, sort of mini comp pre Eve of a competition here in Melbourne called Meatstock. I don't know if you've seen it on the socials. It is mm-hmm. just it, it, it's unbelievable. It's a massive festival. You've got to jump on the socials and, and check it out. And he said, listen, um, I want you to come down and, and MC this little mini festival that I've got running. Cause you know, I've, I've, I know that you're good on a mic, you're good on stage in, in front of people. So, you know, come on down and, and do this. And I was like, yeah, sure. No worries. And then he says to me, but listen, here's the thing. I've only got the budget to pay $500 for you to come and do this. And I looked at my, and, and I remember like talking to my wife about it. I was like, he wants me to go fly into state, hang out with my mates, eat beer, talk about barbecue. And he wants to pay me 500 bucks. And she's like, do it. Yeah. <laughs> I rang him back and said, yes, mate, we can make that happen. That's <laughs> that's great hung up the phone and then danced around the room going oh my god oh my god oh my god <laughs> and it um it it just sort of built from there so being a kind of a handy creative guy i'm i'm good with a camera um i'm good with a microphone i'm good with a video camera and so i started to build this suite of services that i offered to event promoters so i'll go to an event now and i'll be their mc i'll be their photographer i'll be their videographer I video a series of mini interviews and I publish them in as sort of mini interview videos across several weeks after the event. I'll put them all together and release them as one big podcast episode. 
I've started recording what I call after dark podcast episodes, which is where I grab a tent and some lights and late in the night while teams are cooking for their competition, I'll grab a couple of guys who've got some time up their sleeve and gals and we'll just have a bit of a chat at, you know, 11 o'clock midnight and uh, just chat for an hour and just, and just see what happens. And uh, so what I do now is basically I cement the event in the minds of the public so that next year when the event rolls around, it's right at the front of people's minds. So that's in a nutshell, that's the service that I offer at Smoking Hot Confessions. And as a result of that, we've actually opened up a side business of kind of a spin-off, if you like, um, which is meat and fire media services. And we now make all these different services available to other businesses. So we will go and we will do their photography for them. If, if they want to start a podcast, we've got a portable podcast studio now, which we can go and do. We do videography. Um, my wife and I are both uh, drama majors from university. So we can coach people in terms of being comfortable on camera and how to speak into a microphone and all that sort of stuff as well. So We've basically bundled all that up and between the two businesses, that's, that's what we're doing with all that. Yeah. So we've, we've uh, spent five years building all this up. And um, as a result of that, we've been all around the country. We've had two four week tours of, of the United States doing this. We've been, we've done very well with the national barbecue and grilling association over in the United States. That is the barbecue industry body over in the United States. And we've done very well in their, Excellence Awards, which is part of their annual conference. And this year in particular, we won number one for barbecue audio series for the second year running. Wow. Um, which Congratulations. was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. It's a, it, it was a huge, um, a huge achievement considering that over in places like Texas, they have primetime radio shows that, mm. are, that are just about barbecue. And so for us to be up there and to uh, to to knock them off um, was was really good, and we also picked up number one barbecue website. So on the website, we've got our, of course, the podcast. We've got recipes. We've got tips. We've got how tos. We've got product reviews. We've got our own little shop there with all our different t-shirts and things available. Hats, beanies. Um, beanies are very important for me, being a follically challenged gentleman. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, I, I guess that's kind of. In a in a very big, large nutshell, that's um that that's what we do. It's all about inspiring people as well. That that's part of the reason why we've started doing this. If we can make one person think, do you know what? I'm I'm gonna get a barbecue. I'm gonna try cooking outdoors. That's what we want to do. And it's amazing to speak to someone who's been through that journey, is continuing through it, but also has the same sort of passion. It's amazing to see. And being from somewhere completely different from us as well gives you a completely different view on barbecue to what we're used to. Owen and I felt that not many people here in the UK were barbecuing or talking about it. And we've got everything there to do it. Uh, And if we can help people do that, that's what we want to do. And everyone can do it and anyone can do it. There's a very low barrier of entry. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what you're cooking on either. That's the first thing. As long as you start and you give it a go and whatever works for you, that there's so much you can do and so much you can learn just by going out and getting a cheap kettle. And all of a sudden you've got indirect, you've got direct, depending how you set up, you can be smoking, you can be uh, reverse searing. There's so much that you can do. And it's just having the time to experiment and have fun. Mate, I tell you what, the, the first two or three years that I was competing, um, 
I competed on what we call over here uh, curbside rescue webbers. So uh, <laughs> basically webbers that, uh, that people throw out on the street for hard rubbish. And, uh, I, and I would run around in my car and pick them up and throw them in the back of the car and take them home and clean them up and bring them back to life. And that's, that's what I competed on. Mm. So they are absolutely perfect for, for getting out there in the backyard and jumping on and, and having a good time with. And the, the thing about barbecue that, that really drives us here at Smoking Hot Confessions is that there's nothing quite like barbecue to bring people together. It's, mm. it's primal. It's in our DNA. You light a fire. You throw some meat on. All of a sudden, all the neighbors from all around, they're sticking their nose over the fence. Oh, g'day, Ben. How's it going? Oh, are you cooking? Oh, what are you cooking? Oh, oh I'll, I'll, I'll drop by later on. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's just uh, you see things like, you know, families who might not have seen each other for six months and they get together for a bit of a family reunion. Things start off a bit cold, a bit edgy. You know, there's always – there's always sibling rivalries or, you know, various different reasons to be estranged. And man, you light those coals and you throw some meat on the coals and that scent hits the air and you can feel the change in the atmosphere at those family reunions. Mm. And all of a sudden, all the old grudges, all the old gripes, they all get forgotten. They all get pushed across to the side and everybody reconnects. And so barbecue is about far more than just the food. Barbecue is about the people. Mm. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I think no matter whereabouts in the world, it it's the same for everyone, even though there might be different styles of cooking, you know, and different, type, you know, equipment, different ways. Ultimately, it's about that social element, bringing that, you know, bringing a community together. Like you said, families, parties, it, it, it's just a really sociable way of interacting. And, and I think what we're seeing in the UK is, there's a big trend, you know, especially since lockdown, you know, there's, there's more and more people getting into barbecuing, being at home. And actually what that's doing is really spurring on a, a social media community in, in the UK. Um, competition barbecue is happening and there is competition, you know, barbecue happening in the UK, but I don't think it's anywhere near probably what it is in Australia and also of course America. But I think we're, we're starting to come on and we're trying to kind of, dispel this myth that we you know cook only burgers and sausages it's black on the outside pink on the inside <laughs> um that that i think that's synonymous with british barbecue but there are a lot of people at the moment that are trying to break that stereotype yeah well it's it's going to be people like yourselves that um that are going to help get the word about real barbecue out there and I think what you guys are doing is great. Um, that's why I, I reached out to you and said, hey, do you want to be part of the National Barbecue News Magazine? So we're going to now be able to share your story with something like 400,000 readers over in the United States. So, uh, you know, you guys are leading the way over in the UK. And uh, the way I hear it is uh, you guys are only maybe your, in, in terms of your competition scene, you may be only 12 months behind where we are. And we're nipping on the heels of the US in terms of the the scale of of some of the competition. So I think you guys are doing a great job. I I love what you do, and yeah, I just want to make sure that you understand that uh, that around the world your message is being heard and it's being received, and it is having an impact. I can't wait for people to see me stood out in my tiny garden, my little fire mountain <laughs> kettle. <laughs> 
Christmas time stood in the snow doing smash burgers, just enjoying ourselves. But it's about having fun. That, that to me is the most important aspect of barbecue. It's having fun and putting a smile on you and other people's faces. And the food helps as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was a teacher in South Korea for two years. And I'm a beach boy here from Australia. I love the sun. I love the surf. Can't actually surf to save myself, but I can boogie board pretty well. Um, and uh, I've, I, ha- I have done the beginners learn to surf course three times and just eat sand every time. I just, I cannot, I just cannot do it. Cannot do it. But uh, no, I, I lived in South Korea and uh, the second year that we were there, my wife and I rented a little sub basement apartment. So the exterior window was, a, was around chest height was where the ground was outside the window. And so outside we had this little sort of mini courtyard. It was, I don't know, 20 square feet. And uh, I went, you know what? I can do something with this. And I found a little hardware store and I had to draw pictures of what I wanted. Like I wanted bricks and I mm. wanted a, a barbecue. And so this little old Korean man on a motor scooter delivered 150 bricks, 20 bricks at a time. <laughs> oh, my um, gosh. <laughs> sitting on the floorboard of this motor scooter and I bought just like a little hibachi was about the the best thing I could buy. Just It was just made of thin sheet metal and I dug up that that courtyard and laid out all the pavers and mudded them all in properly and built it all up nicely and made sure it drained and all that sort of stuff. And I reclaimed a bunch of furniture off the street and knocked it apart and used the wooden frames to build a staircase to get up from uh, from inside the apartment so you could slide these giant windows open and just walk straight out onto the little barbecue patio area that I built out in the garden. And I tell you what, man, it didn't matter if there was three inches of snow on the ground. There were people around. Mm-hmm. They would come around. We would barbecue. They would sit outside in the snow. And it was just fantastic. I'm assuming that's something you'd have to do that often anymore, cooking the snow. <laughs> no, no. Uh, ben doesn't do snow. Uh, ben doesn't do ice. Um, I, I grew up on a farm and I now live by the sea. I can build fences. I can uh, butcher animals. I can drive tractors. Uh, I helped my dad build our house that we lived in. Cannot walk on ice. <laughs> so in in South Korea, when the sidewalks used to ice over, I just spent most of my time on my butt. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the snow that we get is not that that much anyway, is it? But it's good fun though. <laughs> At the same time, when we get it when we get it for that one week, once a year. Core, do we take advantage of it? And do we moan about it as well? Core, if, if it's one thing that we love to do in Britain, it's moan about the weather. <laughs> it doesn't get hot enough. It doesn't get cold enough. And then when it snows, we moan that it's snowing. Classic us. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you talked about uh, the, the setup that, that you have at home um, mm-hmm. briefly. What else do you have and what are your favourite things to cook on? Whew, I've pretty much got one of everything except the pellet grill but I'm working on that. So <laughs> as I said, I've got my, my biggest one is my big radar hill mm-hmm. and that's my baby. I love that. It doesn't get nearly as much use as it should. Um, but I, I routinely cook for the jujitsu club that I'm part of. So um, anytime there's a bit of a club event, I'll, I'll either have them here to the house and we'll cook up here or I'll cook it and I'll take it to them. Um, what else have I got? I've got, two full-size Weber kettles, one 18-inch Weber kettle that's my son's. I've got an 18-inch Pro-Q, which I think actually originates from the UK. I think Pro-Q mm-hmm. is a, it, yeah. is a the, UK brand. 
Yeah, that's um, right. I've got a Weber Go Anywhere and a Weber Smoky Joe that I brought home in suitcases from the USA because the prices in Australia were just outrageous compared to what they were over in the US when I was over there. I've got a Napoleon three burner gas barbecue with mm. infrared and all the rotisserie infrared stuff across the back uh, from Canada. That's a really nice bit of gear, that one. That's really nice. It's got uh, charcoal baskets you can drop in. So if you'd still want charcoal barbecue, you can drop these charcoal baskets in, light the gas burners underneath, get the charcoal running, turn the gas off, and then just cook on the charcoal. Nice. That's uh, that's pretty cool. It's very cool. Yeah, it's decent. I've got a whole bunch of those little, uh, those little uh, mini sort of camping gas cooktop jobs with the barbecue plate across the top i I seem to have like accrued about four of them for some reason i don't know why people just give them to me and they're just stored under the house now so i've got about four of them i'm forgetting something i know i'm forgetting something but yeah anyway i'm I'm up to about i think it's 14 or 15 barbecues now that's Um, the dream i've got my second (laughs) i've got my second barbecue arriving middle of may so i've currently cooking on a fire mountain uh, full-size kettle um which mm-hmm. i picked up last year i had been um cooking on a gas weber one of the q series um for okay yeah yeah about four or five years and i just wanted to move across to charcoal and at the time i hadn't even considered having more than one barbecue i just thought look i know i got this one i enjoy this one i've had it for a while i'll sell that and i'll use the money to get a kettle and move on. And I've loved using it and the amount of things you can do it is really fun, but I wanted something very different and something that I felt would give me access to almost all types of cooking. So I've got a Kamado, a ceramic one from Monolith arriving. I cannot wait for that thing to arrive. Mm. I cannot wait. Kamado is the other one that I don't have. I don't have a Kamado Mm. either. But yeah, they are fantastic. The particularly like like if you are cooking in a in a snowy area, mm. the heat retention that the that, that those ceramic barbecues have is just incredible, absolutely incredible. I've got I've got friends that um that live in Chicago that show me photos of themselves standing outside and they've had to actually shovel a foot and a half of snow to make a path to get out to the Kamado and it's just holding temp. It's just sitting there holding perfect temperature, cooking briskets and pork butts and all sorts of stuff. It's incredible. I cannot wait, but Owen, on the other hand, has got a bit of a collection that he's working on as well. I have. This is not happening purely because of the barbecues, but it is definitely happening, and it's a major reason that I'm actually moving house to get a bigger garden so I can fit more barbecues in. There's a man who's got his priorities right. I like that. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So the next the next two things that I want to get, uh, like yourself, is a pellet smoker. I've got a bullet smoker, and I've got a broil king keg similar to a Kamado. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I want to try the, uh, web, uh, wood pellets. And then finally, I want to go for a offset smoker and I want to get mm-hmm. one from America, the Yoda, Witch Wichita. Oh, right. Okay. Big old, big old thing. Ridiculous amount of money. It's like a dream kind of barbecue, but. Oh, they're, some, they're but, really expensive here too. Yeah. Yeah. At some point in my life, that is the aim to get one, <laughs> to get one of those, but I, could, I don't even think I could. I couldn't, well, I just couldn't fit it in where I, I am now with the five that I've already got. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, those Yodas are beautiful. I, I had actually lined up um, to to go to Yoda head office and uh, and interview the 
the head of Yoda when I was supposed to go there last year. But of course, that, that didn't end up panning out. To see more content on our social media channels, follow the hashtag Meet, Greet, Barbecue podcast. And for our cooking challenges, we set our guests each week, hashtag Barbecue Bingo. Have you got any festivals or competitions or anything that you're going to be attending soon? So I just, um, just, just, just a couple of weeks ago, I went down to Sydney, to the forest outside of Sydney, about an hour's drive southwest out of Sydney. I can't remember the name of the forest. Uh, it was for the Meet in the Dilly Festival. So um, that was really awesome. That was the first competition in uh, New South Wales since the madness started last year. Mm-hmm. Um and it, it was great to just see everybody get back together again. And um, it was really good for me as well because uh, a buddy of mine, Matt Staunton, he's brought um, from the United States, he's brought Kids Q Nation out into Australia. And it's uh, it's a full-fledged competition body over in the United States. And he's started a chapter of it here in Australia. And so I was able to bring my son with me um, to this festival. So I was hired to go and work and do my thing at the festival and my son came down and he was a part of the kids Q nation. So that was really great for me because he got to hang out with his mates and he got to cook with his mates. And, um, cause of course, because of the, the, the madness, um, uh, my, my son started to play computer games online with Matt's kids from, yeah. and we're a 12 hour drive apart sort of thing. And, uh, so they got to actually meet in person for the first time. So that was awesome for them he got to see me working. He got to see what I do at all these weekends away that I, like I, um, of course, last year I've, I, I was home the whole year, the year before that 2019, um, I was away almost every other weekend working at all these different festivals. Um, I think my wife and I counted it up. It was 22 or 23 festivals, something like that, that I'd, um, uh, festivals or events or conferences, all that sort of thing that I'd been away working at. So it was great for him. He got to see me doing my thing. He got to compete. He got to he got to experience competition, um, and we got to go have a bit of a you know daddy son adventure, and you know <laughs> jump on the plane nice. and fly down on the plane and all that sort of stuff. And you know, kids don't have to wear masks at the moment, but he's still you know because because I had to wear mine in the airport. He went he pulled his out and put his on, and mm. you know he was just uh, it was a real little. Uh, real little professional about it all. And so that was a great experience coming up soon in the future. What is next on my calendar? So I'm working for a festival that's going to be up in Brisbane. It's going to be the Brisbane barbecue festival um, hosted by a buddy of mine, Julian. Uh, I've worked with him for about the last four years on his different events. He runs three or four events through the year. It's always a cracking event. And then shortly after that, we're actually putting on our own event. We're putting on Barbicon. Uh, which is going to be the world's first uh, online barbecue conference, a virtual barbecue conference. So we used our time during the madness to investigate how we can maximize the use of our virtual space. So the cameras, the lights, all that sort of stuff that we bought for the podcast show, what else can we do with that? And so I've got this uh, this new way of recording the podcast show now where it's all live edited and recorded all at the same time cuts right down on editing but the beauty of it is i can now remote produce a show so for example i've got you two blokes here oh actually you've got me on 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 your show now (laughs) using the software that i have you could put one iphone on you and one iphone pointing at your barbecue connect both the iphones to this little link that i email you 
you click the link, both phones connect. I remove myself from the show completely and I can remotely produce your show. Wow. So what we're going wow. to be doing. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Um, we're going to be jumping around the country on the, on the Saturday, jumping into different uh, competition winning pit masters yards. And they're going to show us how to cook all these different things. And then on the Sunday, we're going to be jumping into different businesses, into different workshops, all this sort of stuff. So the Sunday is going to be all about barbecue business. So it's going to be super cool. We're going to be sending, we're going to be shooting all that live straight out into people's lounge rooms. And that's, um, that's Barbicon and we're putting that on Smoking Hot Confessions. So that's happening. And then I'm going to be part of the Townsville barbecue battle as well, um, up in the far north of Queensland. And something similar, they're running a virtual barbecue competition alongside their in-person barbecue competition. So using my studio here and all that gear that we just talked about, I'm going to be running uh, the virtual side of things from here in the Gold Coast. They're going to be about a 16-hour drive north up in Townsville with a face-to-face competition. But I will be there on the big screen, on the stage there, jumping in and out of different people's yards all around the country and beaming it all onto the stage up there in, in Townsville. So that's going to be really cool as well. Uh, and that's what we've got on the agenda so far at the moment. Julian, I know, always has a few more events up his sleeve. Uh, so there'll be the Sunshine Coast Barbecue Festival in September, which is actually just about 10 minutes down the road from we were talking off air before uh, your brother-in-law in Caloundra, did you say? Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. So, uh That'll be pretty cool. I'll, I'll be there in September. You should uh, try and make sure you can get over here. Yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. If, uh, once the madness is over and we can actually travel again. The madness. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd, I'd actually just like to hone in on that te- the, the kind of tech side at the minute and, and actually get your opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously everyone's been longing to get together and do these festivals and get together with friends, family, and just cook out in their, you know, in their back gardens, yards. But do you think because how used to virtual, the virtual space we're coming of interacting with each other across the world, do you think there'll be a lot, you know, with the technology there, more virtual barbecue festivals, do you think in the future uh, internationally? And if, the, you know, people like yourself that are pioneering that, do you think it'll become more popular? I think what it will be, it will be an accompaniment to a face-to-face competition. So like the the festival up in Townsville that I was talking about, they're going to have an in-person event and they're going to have the virtual event uh, running simultaneously. And the virtual event will be live cast on the big screens on the stages up there. Um, I, I don't see virtual competitions replacing in-person competitions um, unless we are all back in lockdown again in the madness. Um, but um I think that there is a place for it. I think it dramatically, dramatically has the 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 potential to expand the scene and mm. to and to unite people together and to grow the scene at an exponential rate. So one of the things that we did as soon as we entered lockdown, we said, okay, we we had been recording the podcast in series before that. So for the previous years, we'd done either ten or fifteen episode runs. And that'd be it for a year. You'd have 25 episodes and that that was the year. And uh, one of the things that we said was, look, we've, uh, we've worked really hard to build this group on Facebook, the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Community. And we do a lot in that group and we are very protective of that group. Any of the riffraff doesn't even make it through the door in the first place. And if they do, they're very quickly shown the door. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I paid my way through uni working as a bouncer, so I've got no issue with uh, with uh, <laughs> ejecting people or anything like that. And so we realized that, A, I was going to go out of my mind if I didn't have something to do, and B, there was a lot of people in that community who were going to be feeling incredibly isolated and uh, incredibly alone, and there was a lot of things that we could do to help them out. And so we did two things sorry, three things. The first thing we did was we switched the podcast from a a serialized podcast to a a weekly show. So in the last 12 months, we did uh, 50 episodes. So we did 50 episodes in 52 weeks. We took a little break at the end of the year. And we also did a 10-week barbecue game show. So using Zoom, like, like we are tonight and, uh, and some other different online platforms, I actually worked out how to build an online game show. And I wrote all these questions, 20 questions per week for 10 weeks, um, all about barbecue. And the, the 20 questions were in four different segments. So there was, uh, or, you know, chapters or whatever you want to call it. And uh, we managed to pick up a few sponsors, Four Monkeys Barbecue, Goat Brewing, all that sort of stuff. So we were able to start by the end of the 10 weeks, we're able to start giving away some weekly prizes and then a big grand champion prize at the end. And we did that every Friday night for 10 weeks. Cause we, we hit a, for here, for where we are here in Australia, it was all up and down the East coast. The government just put us all into a hard 12 week lockdown. Mm-hmm. Bam. And uh, so it took me two weeks to work it all out. And then we did the next 10 weeks. We did all th- this barbecue game show. And then, so th- that was all recorded and I edited all that back together afterwards and then published it afterwards. And, uh, and then after that game show each Friday night, we then took down all the branding, took off, you know, put on just regular t-shirts, took off our branded gear and um, didn't record anything and started a separate zoom call. And it was just a fireside catch up. It was just come have a beer, come have a chat, get it off your chest. Let's just talk about whatever you need to talk about to get through what we're going through. And um, so those were the three things that we did. And we found that that really, really brought people together. And it was really important for a lot of people to have those connections. So one, they had the regular weekly comfort of the podcast. So they knew every week there was going to be an hour long show written for them, recorded for them, published for them. The guests were a lot of them. Uh, So one of the things I did was I, actually went to the Facebook group and I said, right, who's got, uh, who's got businesses, barbecue businesses. I'm going to interview all you guys. And so I was actually able to help bring exposure to these barbecue businesses who had been thrown into lockdown. And so I was able to do my part to try and help them get through the lockdown. And then the second thing I was able to provide was a bit of lighthearted relief with the game show, Um, just something fun to do. And again, it was purposefully written for the barbecue crowd, it was recorded by barbecue people and it was published and distributed to barbecue, to, to the wider barbecue scene. And then the third thing was that we had those fireside chats, the, um, the just completely unbranded, unrecorded, you know, what is said here stays here type, uh, type meetings. And I think that sort of satisfied for the people that needed it, some of the emotional support that they needed to get through that as well. So those were the three things that that we did here at Smoking Hot Confessions to uh, to help ev- it, it, everybody deal with the madness. <laughs> 
and it's quite a community you've got on that Facebook group. I I had a look. It's fifteen thousand followers on the Facebook page, three and a half thousand people in the Facebook group. That's a lot of people, isn't it? That are, it is. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clear, clearly engaging with obviously you know the content that you're putting out um, yeah. and and building that community. And actually, didn't obviously just again flick into your podcast a second. Didn't you kind of celebrate a bit of a milestone episode th- this yeah, week we or did. within the last couple of weeks? It was a great. Yeah, we listen, did. By we the did. Way. So interesting. Oh, thank you. We both did you loved listen it. to the audio or did you watch the video? I so we both. listened to the audio. <laughs> uh, I, I listened good. to the audio and then I watched probably about half hour of the video as well, where you all sat out in your garden next to each other. And it was lovely to be able to see people together in that way. We've only, because of the madness, we've only been allowed to do that in the UK for the last week, really. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, wow. We... Uh, the situation we're in at the moment is where we we can have six people in total together outside somewhere. That's it. Um, and it's since Christmas, it's the first time we've been able to even do that. Um, so it was nice to actually see people sat together and talking and knowing that you had those stakes going on and that you can enjoy that time together. To have that and the story put together was great. Yeah, that was great. And um so, yeah, so that was our 150th episode. So that's kind of a big milestone. And we didn't celebrate anything until we got to 100 episodes because one thing that our show has always been about is it's it's never been about us. Mm-hmm. It, the Smoking yeah. Confessions podcast is not about Smoking Hot Confessions. The Smoking Hot Confessions podcast puts a light on what other people are doing out in the scene. So they might be competitors, they might be barbecue businesses, they might be you know, manufacturers, rub companies, whatever. We do our very best to keep our opinions out of it um, Mm -hmm. because, like I said, there are other shows out there. You listen to them and the guest barely gets five words in and it's the host ranting about their own opinions about everything. And, you know, there is a market for that kind of show, absolutely, Um, you know, and that there's an existing model for that kind of show. And so there's nothing wrong with doing that. We wanted to go a different way. Um, mm-hmm. My wife and I are also both teachers. Uh, I, I mentioned both my parents before were teachers. My wife and I are also both teachers. And so we aim to educate and entertain. And we find we can do that best by not talking about ourselves. So 150 episodes, there's only been two episodes that have been about us. There's the episode 100 and the episode 150. The episode 100 took four years to come about before we started to talk about ourselves. And then, like I said, we switched to an episodic format um, and we hit 150, 12 months later. So uh, the 100th episode was just audio before we added all the cameras in the studio here and all that sort of stuff. So um, that's, that was just my wife and I here with our, with our mixing desk and a bottle of fireball. And we just got stuck into it. (laughs) Um, you, You obviously have fireball in the UK there as well. And uh, for episode 150, we got a friend of ours, uh, Michael from Very Media, to come and uh, interview both of us. So we were able to add Bree's perspective to to the story as well, um, which was really interesting. And I only asked if you'd listen to the audio or the video uh, because it's a constant learning process. And I learned a very hard lesson about video camera settings in the uh, outside um, because every time a cloud passed over, the video screen went almost almost <laughs> black, and then and then we'd come back again when the clouds passed away. So, uh, yeah, that's um, that's something I need to work on for next time we decide we're going to record in the garden. 
it feels real when those sort of things happen and people want that. Um, I, like you said, there's always a place for something that feels artificial is a strong word, but put together in a certain sense. But for us and what we're trying to do, we want it to be real and authentic. And when it comes to learning, people learn more from that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's that, it's that authenticity. It's the third party validation. It's the, particularly for what we do in barbecue, it's the, oh, they're just like me. Mm-hmm. If they can cook that, if they can do that, I can do that, which is exactly what we're looking for. That's exactly what we want. We want people out there cooking in their yards, connecting with their families, having having conversations that they wouldn't otherwise have because their faces are in iPads or whatever. And yeah, it's, uh, it, it's kind of cyclic in that regard. What I took from that episode, the 150th episode, was just how much of a family affair everything that you do is, um, which is quite special. And I think, again, barbecue brings families together. I took a lot from that when I was listening that actually, you know, like you said, your son, your wife, very you know actively involved. And it's kind of things that you all do together um, to create this. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge part of it. And um, you got to walk the talk which is a good analogy here, considering that we are a podcast and we do talk about all this sort of stuff. So you've, you've got to walk the talk. And if you're going to stand there and talk about how barbecue brings families together, you want to make sure that you've got your family involved. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be honest, the Smoking on Confessions, I guess ecosystem is the best word for it. We do so many different things now. If they're not involved in it, then it's going to break us apart. It's going to be that thing that takes me away half the year and it drives a wedge between us all. So if we're not all in it together, then it's going to, it's going to end very poorly. So uh, that's, that's, that's family is at the core of everything. Basically that's, that's what we do. We have, um, I have a full-time job. Um, I have a 1.25 workload at that job, which means I'm actually working a one and a quarter full-time job. Um, we, we then have all this other stuff on the top. And so if we're not all on board, it all falls apart. So this is the part of the podcast we like to call the cut where we have a fantastic uh, butcher on board. Who's going to talk about a great cut of meat that everyone should go out and try doing something with. So would you like to introduce yourself to everyone listening? My name is Tom Courts. I'm a second generation master butcher uh, based in Burnt Island in Fife in Scotland. I took the on, on a small butcher shop there in 2016. It was quite ironic. I, um, I'd started my trade in a, a different shop further down the high street uh, many, many years ago. It was my father's shop and he retired and we all did different things, but he he started again elsewhere and I I joined the business again in 2003. Uh, I retired uh, 2015 for a year and I opened this small shop in Burnt Island just as a hobby really. And things kind of took off again for us, us there. A year later, we won Britain's Best New Butchery Business at the Butcher Shop of the Year Awards down in London. And, you know, since then, we've won a few other major awards, uh, including the Holy Grail Award of the Scottish Haggis Champion. Um, it's only a small shop that we have, but it punches way, way above its weight. We now have a, a website for our haggis, which is uh, branded under Burnt Island Haggis. 
you'll see that there on the, the World Wide Web and we can deliver that to you next day anywhere in the UK. And we're just about to launch a, a retail meat website as well, Tom Coach Quality Foods. Um, I'm not allowed to say the date of the launch, but it is the 3rd of May. Uh, don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> and we're looking forward to that. I don't know how that will go. We'll probably be snowed under. Uh, I'll get a row off my wife for working 20 hours a day instead of the usual 18. But uh, very much looking forward to that. If someone was looking to do something different on the barbecue, something lower and slower, mm-hmm. what would you recommend to people if, for their first attempt at doing something like that? Well, the, the one thing lower and slower you can't really go wrong with is, a, I would say, a spatchcocked chicken, a mm-hmm. nice fresh chicken. And to spatchcock it, what you're doing basically is cutting up the backbone and folding the chicken flat so that you're actually increasing the surface area, presenting a larger area to the, to the heat on the barbecue so that it cooks more evenly and quicker, I suppose. Uh, you know, chicken is one of these meats that you, you can't really eat medium or rare. It has to be done mm-hmm. well done to 74 degrees or above, and you know, it's, again, it's one of one of my favourites on on the barbecue because a spatchcock chicken you can ha- have it plain if you like, but there's so many different things you can do with it. You could get all sorts of barbecue rubs, whether it be uh, garlic, uh, piri piri, um, uh, barbecue sweet chilli. We we sell stacks of these uh, in the shop every week, particularly Friday Saturday, and a lot of people do do barbecue them, and that they are quite a, an easy, simple, uh, you know. A meal to prepare and again you just put it on the barbecue you can stick the lid on the barbecue and just forget it about it for the best part of 50 minutes you know if it's nice and low even heat um, and again it's something you know you, you just serve that again with a jacket potato it'd be cooked on, on, on the barbecue you know on some potato salad or whatever or, or you know a green salad and it's a lovely meal and it's a, a nice sharing meal as well a decent size three to four pound chicken would serve four people and again it's, it's just about simple cooking uh, great flavours Nice British chicken, if you can get it. You pay a little bit extra, but it's well worth it. It's important what you say as well about cooking to temperature. Um, I mentioned 74. We always say 75, stay alive. But yeah. making sure that you're getting the temperature right is the most important thing for not just making sure it's safe, but not overcooking it as well. The, the, particularly when you're cooking outside, I think there's this misconception of it's going to take X amount of time. It's mm. not about the time at all. It's about the temperature. Yeah. One of the best investments that anybody can make, you know, for their home, whether they're cooking indoors or outdoors, is actually a, a meat thermometer. They're, they're ideal. And you get these charts that will tell you what the temperature, temperatures are relevant to a, a particular cut of meat. Um, and again, you know, if something like a chicken, all you do is you, you, you stab it into the middle part of the thickest, you know, the, the thickest part of the meat, whether it be the drumstick or the breast, take the temperature from there. And like you say, it's got to be above 74 degrees, then it's good to go. Mm-hmm. Tom, thank you so much for your time again, and we look forward to speaking to you again next time on The Cut. One of the other things that you wanted to talk about was what do I do when I'm not barbecuing? And I mentioned it before, it's jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a, a very good friend of ours, um, Kayo, he's one of my best mates, taught me how to build websites, um, the same website that just won best barbecue website. <laughs> so uh, always give him a shout out at every opportunity. Um, <laughs> he's, a, he's a genuine Rigididge um, ex-national champion in Brazilian jiu-jitsu from Brazil. Wow. And so he's, wow. he's immigrated to Australia. He started a gym and he's, uh, because I'm a teacher by profession, he's asked me, would I help out? with the kids classes could i teach the kids classes so sure no problems yep 
I'll I'll do that while you're getting set up and you know getting on your feet. And um, my son does jujitsu with me as well because for us martial arts is something that's really important. It's a it it's a life skill. It's right up there with cooking. You know, you need to, you need to know how to cook and kick ass at the same time. Um, and so, so my, my son has become a part of those classes that we teach. So he and I go three times a week together and we're there from four o'clock in the afternoon until eight o'clock at night. And we spend two hours teaching kids classes. So he'll, he'll help me teach. He's my assistant for one hour. Then it's his own class and then he sticks around and he trains in the adult classes with me as well. So um, everything we do is a family affair. Mm-hmm. And that's what it should be. It's, yeah. especially, it's more special that way. Definitely, 100%. And on the topic of anyone can get involved and it's all about learning, one of the things that we like to talk about here as well, because people learn best from their fails, mm-hmm. are barbecue fails. So do you have any stories that you'd like to share of things that maybe didn't <laughs> quite go right? Just, just one. <laughs> um, oh my God. Okay. So the first major competition that I entered was the Burley barbecue uh, competition just here on the, on, on the Gold Coast. And it's a fantastic competition. Um, it hasn't been able to run uh, for the last two years because of uh, different council regulations. So even before the madness the, the Burley barbecue competition, the first year that I competed there was 2015 and I was cooking on one of those rescued curbside kettles that I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. And just the week before that, I'd been trawling my local barbecue shop and I found a, a rib rack that would fit in this kettle. And I went, oh, that's what I need to, to cook these pork ribs for this competition coming up. And so completely untested and untrialed, I took it to competition and I set this, this rib rack up and I very naively, very first time competitorily um, set the ribs up oblique to the heat source. So I had, I had all the coals pushed across to one side in a charcoal basket. On the other side was the rib rack, and I probably should have turned them on their end so that the heat and the smoke could pass between the different racks, yeah. but I didn't, I, and I put them oblique. And I didn't think about things like, okay, well, if they're going to be oblique, then I'm, you know, every 30 minutes, I'm going to have to cycle them through. So they all, none of that sort of stuff even crossed my mind. So I threw the, uh, I threw the pork racks in, cooked them up. It, it came time to box them up. I pulled the front rack out, temped them. They were on point, like they were on temperature, sliced them. They looked beautiful nibbled the end ones because you know you, you never give the ones on the end to the judges nibbled them went oh these are mint and uh and then cut up the rest of them and went Ooh. because the ribs had been oblique to the heat source the ones behind the front rack hadn't cooked properly yeah and so uh we got murdered by the judges absolutely murdered um we got we got presentation points only because the the head judge on the table told the rest of the judges not to eat them because they were underdone completely <laughs> fair enough completely fair enough i i agree and um it actually ruined us for that competition we had been looking at a top 10 finish in our first ever competition wow. and we ended up finishing second last because our ribs came in bottom by a long uh. long long way <laughs> but you so, learned uh, you learned from it <laughs> we did learn we did learn a lot from that experience yeah yeah and so uh you know i mean it, 
it's a constant learning process and it's a constant, um, you know, being aware of where you are and where you want to go and what you want to do and constantly adjusting and Mm -hmm. making all those sorts of changes. And so, you know, from those fails, we ended up soaring to the top. So we, um, uh, a couple of years after that, uh, me and a couple of other fellas, we'd, uh, we were from three different States here on the East coast. We'd, we'd met up at all these different sort of festivals, um, that we'd either been working at or competing at. And there was one competition. It was a particular um, favorite of all the competitors. It was uh, the, the Port Macquarie Barbecue Wars competition. And it was the, the barbecue mecca. It was dead set in the middle of the East Coast. You'd have teams coming down from North Queensland, teams coming up from Melbourne, you know, driving 14, 16 hours to get there, all that sort of thing. And so we went, hey, listen, we've been kind of hanging out for the last 12 months this competition's dead set in the middle of all of us. Let's just make a one-off team. We'll just go into this competition. We'll drink some beers. We'll cook some meat. We'll have some laughs and we'll just kick back and, and just have some fun. And anyway, we ended up jagging third place overall at this massive competition. There was 104 teams. It was the biggest wow. competition. It was the biggest competition ever outside of the United States. And uh, we ended up jagging third place. And um, this this composite team. So it, it wasn't just smoking hot confessions. It was a composite team. As a result of that, because we'd become third, we got one draw in the lottery to go compete at the world's barbecue championships in Houston. So in the, in the 12 months prior to the draw, there were other teams who'd won multiple grand championships, multiple first places. They had 15, 20 entries into that barrel. And, um, they, they said to all of us, they said, listen, we need you to confirm that if you're going to put your name in the barrel, that if we draw you, you're going to go to Texas. So like, you need to have the funds, you need to have the means, you need to, you know, and uh, the guys got a bit nervous at that point. And I said, listen, are you kidding me? This is a one. First of all, mm. it's about, it's, it's literally about a one in 700 chance that they're going to pull that one little piece of paper with our name on it out of that barrel. There's a one in 700 chance that's going to happen. And it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So let's just say, yes, let's tell them to put our name in that barrel. And if we get drawn, then we'll work it out afterwards. And sure enough, you can see the lady, she drew it out. She read our name. She was like, huh? Really? <laughs> and so we, um, do you know Stephen Bradbury? I don't know if you would because you guys are from the UK. He's an Australian speed skater. And uh, in in one of the Olympics about 10 years ago, maybe a bit more, he won the gold medal because he was coming dead last in the race and then everyone fell down in front of him and he just sort of glided across the line in the in the <laughs> speed skating to win the race. So we we jokingly say that we Stephen Bradbury'd our way into the world's barbecue <laughs> championship over in Houston and Texas. So uh, we um, we went over there. Um, and we did that, and that was just a life-changing experience, massive, unbelievable experience. And that is what introduced uh, my brand, Smoking Hot Confessions, and some of the other fellas' brands because we were a composite team, introduced us all to the U.S. scene. And so that was kind of the the catalyst for the success that we've had, Smoking Hot Confessions has had in the States in the three years since that. So, you know, it's it's funny how, you know, all these little things, all these little things just can add up to a really big thing. Yeah. Well, I always give 
my own barbecue fail as well. Cause I'm going to ask you for it. It's only fair that I give my own and, you know, 10 episodes in, I've still got them. Uh, this happened two weeks ago and I think I've got away with it. It hasn't been mentioned to me by the wife, but um, I was doing some beef short ribs and I was also doing some brisket and I had a water bath underneath on the kettle and I'd got probably about five and a half, six hours in, did a check and realized the water bath had gone. So I quickly set things up, quickly took off the rack got the meat in a nice place to quickly change it, put it down. Now, normally I have some wood on the side that I'm going to use for future smoking that I place the rack on because I was panicking and being quick, stuck it straight on the grass, sorted everything out, put the grill back on, put everything back on, closed the lid, thought I might have got away with this, turned around, big circle patch burnt into the grass. <laughs> now, luckily um, it hadn't been cut for a while. So I spent the next kind of 15, 20 minutes trying to brush it out, hide it and everything. And it's been cut since and nothing's been said. So I think I've got away with it. But <laughs> it's, it's um, we all learn from mistakes and fails. And if anyone picks anything up off this podcast, it's that all of us make mistakes. And it's what we learn from those mistakes that make us better cooks. It's just I happen to have so much more than anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I've I've done exactly the same thing. Um, I except I think I did it two or three times before I worked out how I was doing it, and um, <laughs> I was actually just just lifting the lid off the Weber and just plonking it down on the grass, mm. and the the remaining heat on the underside of the of the lid was burning like a crop circle in my yard. <laughs> and so I just had the, I just had these crop circles burnt into my yard. So uh, my, my wife was pretty unimpressed with that. So we bought something that uh, clips onto the side of the kettle and you could just sort of drop the, drop the hood into the side of that thing. So mate, I, I feel your pain and I'm glad that you got away with it. Cause I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I've burnt my barbecue covers recently so i've got like a like a utility table so it's a stainless steel prep area with cupboards and all that kind of stuff got a nice cover on it and took the chimney starter off placed it down a gust of wind had come across and basically the, the cover had engulfed the chimney starter and just burnt a big hole in it so <laughs> well look i i i tell you what i'm from smoking hot confessions i'll give you a confession i've almost blown my house up twice Wow. <laughs> wow. Twice. So uh, it was when I was still doing um, a lot of work on on gas barbecues, um, particularly the with the hoods, because I started getting into uh, into roasting and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And um, at the time, I was being a bit lazy about making sure I was cleaning all the all the barbecue. So I'd end up with this the sort of like grease sort of lined up around the inside of the hood and sort of you know all, all baked in and that sort of stuff. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to get into different types of cooking on this barbecue. I'm going to roast a chicken. Yeah. And uh, so I'd, I got a beer can uh, chicken roaster thing, and you know, s- stood the chicken up on it, put it in the in the gas barbecue, pulled the hi- pulled the uh, hood closed, and as soon as it hit about 200 Celsius, like roasting temperature, the grease lit up inside the barbecue, and so the whole inside of the barbecue caught on fire. And I had um, I had very neatly and very tidily tucked the gas barbecue up against the wall of the house, so the, these flames were licking three and four feet out of the top of the barbecue and about <laughs> one foot short of the eaves of the house. Wow! And because of 
and of, of of course because it's a gas barbecue you've got basically a bomb um with the with this nine kilo gas bottle there and it's all burning down towards the gas bottle so i, I very quickly sort of you know shielded shielded my face and reached in underneath and turned off the gas and then ran around and grabbed the hose and tried to spray down the grease but of course that doesn't work so you just got to kind of wait for it to just burn yeah. itself out and um ended up just throwing that barbecue away because it was on fire and, and then I hit it with the hose. And so all the metal and everything all went ping, ping, ping and all like bent <laughs> out of place. And so that one got thrown out and then we moved house and uh, the house we're in now is an, uh, it's called an old Queenslander house. And so it's, um, it's a wood framed uh, two, two story house. You know, it's a, it's a tinder box, let's be honest. <laughs> and um, so I, I had a, another gas barbecue out on the front deck and uh, we got beautiful views out over Surfers Paradise and all that sort of stuff. So I'm having a great old time. And I went, you know what? I think I want pork crackle. And uh, so I had a piece of uh, pork skin that I'd cut off a shoulder and I'd stuck it in the freezer very responsibly, got a pan, put the pan underneath to catch the fat as it sort of came dripping off the bottom. And again, it just hit that that ignition temperature inside and the whole tray of fat caught fire lit lit the uh lit the grease that had sort of baked onto the inside of the hood of this second barbecue lit all that on fire and again i had four foot flames shooting up out of the out over the hood of this gas barbecue but this time i was i was under a wooden framed house with a balcony oh, sort of wood oh my god and uh my my wife screamed and threw a fire extinguisher out through the door and as i'm there hosing this barbecue down with a fire extinguisher she's taking photos and posting them on facebook so um <laughs> yeah look you know <laughs> things happen things happen yeah, yeah. and and it's 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 also part of the fun. If it wasn't slightly dangerous, that, that's part of the enjoyment playing with fire, right? Look, barbecue is for everybody. Don't get me wrong. But we blokes, if it's not dangerous, it's not fun, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> um, and talking about fails and experimenting, I think it might be time for the part of the podcast that we like to call Barbecue Bingo. Um, so how this works is we have a wheel with a number of different ingredients on it. We spin the wheel and whatever it comes out, we ask the person who's the guest, whether they could do a cook with it, tag us in, share it, and also use the hashtag barbecue bingo. And we're also encouraging any listeners out there who want to join in and have a go at the task as well for the week to give it a go. Now, I know Owen's been working on this because we were thinking, okay, Australia, is there going to be some issues with some of the ingredients we have written down? Um, one example would be we had Marmite, a previous episode, which for you would be like Vegemite. Vegemite, I could do Vegemite, yeah. Um, But we wanted to try our best to make sure there wasn't anything on there that you look at it and go, that's, uh, what? What is it? Or that's not even possible (laughs) to get hold of. So if there's anything on this wheel that doesn't work, it's Owen's fault and I had nothing to do with it. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. What I also also did is did a bit of research this morning and ended up on a CNN travel website for Australia with the top 40 Australian foods. So I've put a couple on there, and I don't know if they're going to be what you actually eat, um, but okay. we'll, we'll, we'll see. One of the other things that we like to do, and it's I don't think anywhere near as complex as the game show that you mentioned, we literally just click a button, <laughs> uh, click a button and spin a wheel. Um, but we also talk about a signature dish. So one of the options is a signature dish. 
what would you say your signature dish is? Ooh, signature dish. Well, given that I spend a lot of time doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and cooking with the club, uh, picanha has got to be right up there. Um, had a great time with that. Uh, my signature dish, though, I cook a pretty great brisket in my uh, in my offset smoker. So, uh, yeah, we, we do pretty well with that. And I'm also pretty handy with desserts as well that I cook in the barbecue, smoked pumpkin pies, uh, key lime pie, all that sort of stuff as well. So, ooh, cobbler. Ooh, I do love a good cobbler. So, uh, yeah, it, any of those things would be right up there. Sounds good. So one of the things that uh, I've put on there is Chico Rolls. Is that Chico something? Chico Rolls. My God, I haven't had one of them since the 80s. Right. Great stuff. <laughs> I hope it lands on that then. And then uh, the yeah, other one we've yeah, yeah. <laughs> put a bit of crocodile. Is that quite a quite quite a delicacy? It's it, it's growing. It's a little bit difficult to get a hold of, but if I if I shopped around, I could probably get hold of some. Would it be better to be kangaroo? Uh, kangaroo, we can actually get from the supermarket just down the street. So I might, uh, I might need to sub some of that out. Um, or the new puppy that we've got that I was mentioning, um, he's eating kangaroo mints at the moment. So I could just steal some of his and make a burger out of that, out of the fridge. <laughs> wow. So you it. I'm going to spin the wheel and let's see what you get for barbecue bingo. Yeah, let's do it. There we are. Scallops. Scallops. Beautiful. Beautiful. I live on the Gold Coast. We have uh, fishing boats that pull into the harbour every morning, just about a 10-kilometre drive down the road. So, uh, fantastic. I say, what's your first thoughts with scallops? Ooh, okay. Well, I'd, I would need to do a bit of research because I've only cooked them once before. Um, but I am a huge fan of uh, some Thai flavours like lime and chilli. Um, a lot of our food here in Australia is influenced by our, our Asian neighbours. Um, and, of course, when we say neighbours, it's a lot further away than your neighbours in Europe, but you get the idea. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I would be looking at um, some freshly chopped chilies out of my garden. Uh, my son and I started a, a vegetable garden here during the madness uh, to help with his school, um, his school science projects. Uh, so we've got some beautiful chilies growing in there, some beautiful big red chilies. We've got some jalapenos as well. I'd probably be, be looking at some of those red chilies, some freshly squeezed lime, and to be honest, maybe some sea salt, and that would be about it. And I just uh, I just let them grill slowly um, on the uh, possibly direct, but given the setup that I just explained about on the Weber Go Anywhere earlier in the episode, I'd probably throw a bit of smoke over them. Mm-hmm. And then just finish nice. them direct. Just finish them direct over the end. So I'd give them probably maybe fifteen minutes at a at about two twenty five Fahrenheit. Just get a nice little lick of uh, some gentle uh, fruit wood smoke, some peach or some apple, and then just quickly slide the shells across directly over the charcoal and just finish them off directly. Oh, so good! And just eat them out of the shells. Sounds beautiful. I cannot wait to see that. <laughs> If you wouldn't mind tagging, t- tagging us in on uh, Instagram or Facebook um, with okay. barbecue bingo, hashtag barbecue bingo, and uh, we're at meet and greet barbecue podcast. Excellent. I've, I've just written it all down. Great stuff. One of the things that we normally ask our guests and we actually haven't got to yet is actually, what would you say is your ultimate barbecue meal? Ooh, look, I tell you what, 
I'm happy with just about anything barbecue. Um, as I said, I, I can't eat cheese, so I can't do a lot of the smoked mac and cheeses and all that sort of great stuff there. But look, I love things like um, a couple of nice slices of brisket um, with my wife does this beautiful uh, bean salad uh, where she grills up a bunch of bacon and some onion and sort of runs that through some uh, through some uh, steamed beans with some butter and uh, some of her potato salad that she does. She uses some American mustard to to make this sort of the, uh, the sauce that goes onto the onto the potato salad. And I got to tell you that that is really good. Um, and so I would have some of that with uh, possibly some scones. I saw you had scones on the on on the wheel there, which are similar to biscuits for your US listeners. Yeah, <laughs> um, which is of course different to what uh, to what we from the from Australia and UK refer to as biscuits. Um, biscuits is what the Americans would call cookies, and uh, so probably some biscuits, mashed pot- uh, potato salad, my wife's bean salad, some nice, delicious smoked fatty fatty brisket slices and look it's got to be blackberry cobbler i fell in love with blackberry cobbler when i was over in the u.s and i actually managed to put it on six kilos in four weeks because i just kept eating blackberry cobbler every <laughs> night every <laughs> night for the full month tour that we were over there that's impressive i i was kind of both ashamed and proud at the same time <laughs> yeah i think i would be as well <laughs> Yeah. So we've talked a lot about food um, and about the barbecue journey and your barbecue setup. But one of the things we also like to kind of ask our guests is about the drink side of, side of barbecue. And so, sure. a what what are you drinking now, or what what would you normally drink uh, when you barbecue? Um, so I'm I'm not usually a a hard spirits kind of person. Um, I'm somewhat of a lightweight, although I do quite like uh, Fireball. There's just something about Fireball. Mm-hmm. I, can, I, I can drink that all night long, um, but generally hard spirits are a no. Um, I like kind of tropical flavors because, uh, as I said, I'm in a real summery part of Australia here just to just to sort of make you guys a bit jealous. Here on the Gold Coast, <laughs> we have uh, we have 300 days of sunshine per year Wow! Um, on, on, on average. So uh, – <laughs> I just had to work that in there somewhere just to just sort of rub that in. Um, but I, I quite like uh, tropical beers. So tonight I've been drinking a tropical XPA from a brand called Tinnies. Ooh, that looks a beautiful can. Yeah, it's a it's a really nice, uh, nice pretty can. And they've got um, quite a lot. It, it's a craft brew type thing. And they've got all the different sort of uh, hops and things that they put in there. It, it comes out tasting quite tropical. So that's what I like. I like beers that taste like summer. I find that they go the best with barbecue. Nice. What about you, Owen? What are you drinking? I am drinking Camden Hells. So Hells Lager um, from Camden Town Brewery. Um, they're, They're getting bigger and bigger in the UK and they're available in more and more places, but they've got some solid, solid beers like yourself. I think beer just tends for me to go best with barbecue and uh, I, I typically go for either an IPA or, or, or a nice lager. IPAs are great. Love it. Yeah. They're getting so much bigger as well. And everyone's got their own kind of twist and different mixes and everything. Um, and the flavors that you can get will complement so many different foods, depending on what you're looking for. Um I've gone for something a bit different tonight. I've not had one of these uh, before on the podcast, so I've gone for a cider. 
Now, because of the time difference, it's quite early here in the UK. Um, <laughs> thankfully, we're just past noon now. But I thought, okay, what, what's a morning alcoholic drink that I could perhaps have? And I thought, well, cider is basically fizzy apple juice. So I've gone for a Thatcher's uh, cider called Katie. And I had a sip of it. And I thought, oh, it's nice, but it feels strong. 7.4%. I wish I'd uh, checked that nice. before I poured it out for nice. myself at half past 10 this morning. Um, but it, it, it's it's a beautiful thing. And I love the fruity flavors that you've got. If you're pairing something with meat, it just brings another kind of aspect to it. But is there much better than having a drink with a barbecue? I don't know. No, not at all. And uh, just on that topic of ciders, if I'm eating something really heavy that's that's going to be a bit sort of fatty on the on the palate, I actually I will go for a um, either a sour beer or a or a sour cider. Um, so there's some uh, some different passion fruit beers over here which are quite nice because they're quite tart and they just sort of mm-hmm. cleanse the palate before you start hooking back into the barbecue again. So that's one of my tips as well is to explore some of the uh, some of the sour beers, the raspberries, the the Berliner Weisses, um, those kind of things like that. I love a Weiss beer. Love a Weiss beer. So beautiful. So Cuts through anything really fatty as well, which is exactly what you want. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. To see more content on our social media channels, follow the hashtag Meet Greet Barbecue Podcast. And for our cooking challenges, we set our guests each week, hashtag Barbecue Bingo. One of the things we also like to ask all of our guests is we've been speaking to you for an hour or so. Do you have any questions for us at all? Uh, look, I'd, I guess my my biggest question for you would be, um, so here here in Australia, we've we've put our our spin on this uh, this traditionally American low and slow barbecue by including lamb in our in our competition. Uh, hand in categories. What do you think would be a quintessentially British add-on or contribution to the barbecue scene that uh, that the, the that the UK could offer to the wider barbecue community? Very good question. My gut straight away because I'm Welsh says Welsh lamb. Um, that's kind of what what our country's famous for. Um, but well, Welsh lamb, from an eating point of view, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, a quintessentially British, though, the other thing that just spot, like pops into my head is just roast beef. Now, obviously, beef is a huge, huge part of um, the barbecuing community, but the flavours are so much different of what we're doing from a normal Sunday in the UK. Um, I don't know, Owen, what do you think yourself? Maybe apples as well, Bramley apple? It is a difficult one, and I think roast dinner has to be up there. I mean, mo- m- both of us, and I know a lot of people that we socialise with, you know, through the Instagram community, cook roast dinners on their barbecue. Um, and suppose a competition. I mean, we've we've never done competition barbecue ourselves, so it's it's kind of a, a world that we've not entered yet. Yet, I think that would be a, a thing, good thing for us to do. But I don't know because I suppose the things that we do is you know. English breakfast, that's a pretty famous thing. Roast dinner, that's also mm-hmm. a pretty famous thing. So curry, actually, we do. I think curry is quite yeah. big in the UK. Uh, tikka masala is particularly one that is, you know, born out of out of the UK. Um, so I, I'm not 100% sure, Ben, is the, is the answer to that. Because if anything, we're, we're trying to probably, as I said to you earlier, trying to 
become more than burgers and sausages in, in, exactly. in, our, barbecue, yeah, yeah, yeah. in our barbecue scene. So we're, mm. we're a lot of people in, in Britain at the moment are obviously trying to learn more about the kind of low and slow. So we're just learn, at the learning stage at the moment. So the only other thing, sure. actually, and I don't know if it would work from a competition aspect, but something very, very British would be Yorkshire puddings. Ah, there you go. Now, I, I don't even know if that kind of translates across to America and Australia, if it's something that that you've heard of or you've seen before. But um, for anyone who doesn't know, you create a batter, effectively, um, leave it to rest in a fridge for maybe half an hour to bring the temperature down. And then what you would normally do is you get almost like cupcake or I suppose you'd call muffin molds that would you'd stick in the oven, uh, the metal ones, with some oil in, uh, normally rapeseed oil or sunflower oil, and get them to a hot heat, maybe 210 degrees Celsius. And then you would pour the batter directly in to the different cupcake molds, stick it back in the oven, and do not touch it for between 15 and 17 minutes, and these things will puff up beautifully. And you'd normally serve them with roast beef, with gravy um, and other trimmings. Now, more and more people seem to be doing it on a barbecue, and it's a lot harder to do because you have to keep the temperature mm. as constant and as strong as possible. And if you attempted to lift the kettle at the wrong part, point at all, it'll just drop. So... Yeah. I don't know how that would work from a competition point of view, but um, I mean, they've been on the Great British Bake Off as a competition. So why not from a barbecue perspective, I suppose? Sounds to me like they would make a great uh, ancillary category for a, for an SCA competition, the State Cook-Off Association. I, I don't know if you've got them in the, in the UK or yet or not yet. Um, if you haven't, they will be there soon. Um, the, uh, Obviously, steak is the is the main category, and then they are promoter's choice for the ancillary categories. Mm. So I could see some of those things that you guys are talking about would make some beautiful uh, ancillary categories there. It's just something that I don't know if it translates or, or even if there's versions of it in, in other areas of the world because it's called a Yorkshire pudding. It feels like maybe that's just something we've got. I, I think it would be sort of similar to um, to the biscuits that they serve in in Texas with the barbecue over there. You know, mm -hmm. it's a it's a flour based baked good mm -hmm. that gets served alongside with um, with with the barbecue. I mean, we don't scones here in here in Australia are typically sweeter than a mm -hmm. than a biscuit, so we tend to serve them more as desserts than we do as uh, sides of a main. But I think that that your Yorkshire puddings are probably the equivalent of a of what a biscuit would be in Texas. So I, I think you're onto something. It's so much lighter and different as well that it's not. If it's not something that you've seen or heard of, it's worth a look afterwards. They're just so different, and also we do different types of meals with them as well. You have the individual ones, or you can cook like toad in the hole, where you'd make a larger batter and do sausages in there as well. Um, so I suppose that would be for me. Welsh lamb and Yorkshire puddings, the two quintessential British things that maybe we can push forward to barbecue. Sounds good to me. I'm all about the English breakfast. Well, yeah, full English. Full English on the barbie. Beautiful. I do love a bacon and egg roll. <laughs> <laughs>
Fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to speak to us. Um, I know you've got a cook on as well. And the last thing we want to do is be the reason that something goes wrong with that cook. Um, but it's it's great to speak to someone who's also passionate about it. And you're definitely someone that we'd love to learn from, not only from a cooking perspective, but what we are doing day in and day out with this podcast. So it's fantastic for us that you found the time to speak to us. Thank you so much. It's no problem at all, mate. And you don't need to worry about my leg of lamb because my little app on my on my phone here tells me that my my wife pulled the leg of lamb off about 25 minutes ago. And it's now <laughs> so I know that it's now sitting wrapped in foil in the oven waiting for me to go outside and slice it up. Beautiful. Mate, look, I just want to say thanks for having me on board. Um, it's always great to to speak to to other barbecue folk. Um, it's it, it's nice especially to being to be connected with people from you know literally other continents um around the world i mean you know uh, like i'm i'm 42 soon as i said i used to play guitar in bars and the technology difference between the late 90s when i was playing guitar and you know the best i could hope to do was you know put my voice in front of 50 people in a pub and now you know you're in england i'm in australia and this is going to go broadcast around the world is just wild. And, uh, it, 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 it really, it's a good analogy for what we were talking about earlier about barbecue, really uniting people and bringing people together. And, uh, you know, that's what it's all about. And I just want to say thanks for giving me the opportunity to come and, uh, and, and chew the year off of, uh, both of yourselves and, uh, and your, uh, your audience. Thank you. And Appreciate hopefully it. it won't be too long until we can actually see each other in person in some kind of form and guise. So to that day, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. That's it for another episode of the Meet and Greet Barbecue podcast. And that actually concludes the first series of the Meet and Greet Barbecue podcast. So I just want to say thank you to all of our guests and, and Ben from Smoking Hot Confessions, um, who, who you've just heard from. We are going to take a short break and then we'll be back bigger and better for series two with a, a fantastic lineup of, of guests. And also we'll, we'll be launching a video-based podcast as well. So you'll actually be able to see our guests as well as hearing from them. So if you would like to get in touch with us and kind of put some ideas of things that you would like to hear on the podcast, please contact us through our social media channels, Meet and Greet Barbecue Podcast, our website, meetgreetbarbecuepodcast.com, or directly email us at meetgreetbarbecuepodcast at gmail.com. To hear more and see more from Ben, please go check out his website, Smoking Hot Confessions. He's also available on social media with a Facebook group and also on Instagram. If you like this podcast and you would like to give us a review, that would be fantastic. Please like, subscribe through your podcast apps and, and leave a review. That would be amazing. And I'd just like to say... Thank you to the listeners as well. Anyone who's listened, it's been fantastic doing this first series and we have so much planned for the next series. Thank you. Until we meet again. Keep on grilling. <laughs>